Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. What's up, everybody? Glad to have you this morning. Welcome to the Rhodes. My name's Chad. For those of you who haven't got a chance to meet yet, all of you watching online, great to have you with us as well today. We're in our series called In Case of a Power Outage. And we didn't have any power outage this weekend, the snowstorm, uh, I was praying against it strongly. If you love snow, the last few days, you and I have been in a tug of war of faith. <laughs> I just want to say I won in Jesus' name. So I'm just kidding. It's not about that, but I was definitely not wanting snow. I began to believe that snow on Sundays of the devil. So I just cast it out every chance I get to. I mean, you notice how the storms, you notice how they come a lot of times on a Saturday night or on Sunday. Don't tell me that's by accident. I'm trying to be hyper-spiritual. I'm just telling you, uh, he's trying to stop what God is doing, and he can't stop it with some snow. So great to have you with us this morning. The series we've been on, uh, very powerful. I'm excited about today's message. I want to jump right into it. If you've got your Bibles, follow along with me. You can get your YouVersion Bible app on your phone or your electronic device. Sermon notes are in your worship guide, or you can get them also on the YouVersion Bible app. Let's open up our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. Woo! Ephesians 1, just happy about the Bible, give a little shout out to Jesus. In case of a power outage, we've been talking about this in several different aspects over the last few weeks, and today I want to talk about something very important. I want to talk about the subject of an inheritance available to those who are born into the kingdom of God. So we're going to be talking about the subject of an inheritance and what your inheritance is as a follower of Jesus or a son or daughter of God. Have any of you received one of these emails? You know, or maybe you get it through Facebook or whatever your uh, method may be. But you got one of those emails that it's from someone and it says, hey, congratulations, just wanted to reach out to you that either some relative that you didn't know has died or someone that's not even a direct relative of yours, but they just happen to have the same last name. And so they're contacting you, this person contacting you as an attorney to let you know that if you'll just pay some small transaction fees, all of these millions of dollars will be released out of this foreign country because they're locked up, of course, in Nigeria for you. Some of you need to realize your, your relatives didn't come from Nigeria and stop listening to those emails. But you know, you've got some of those emails. They're like that. They're just con otters, con scams that, you know, and how does it work? Why does this work? Why does it have any effect? It's because people really want, and sometimes down inside, they want to believe that someone's going to leave them this boatload of money totally for nothing. So people are like, are you telling me all I got to do is pay some small transaction fees and I could have them? Honey, it's our time. They get excited about it. You know, sometimes it literally does happen. We actually get an inheritance. Maybe you receive some from a family member. They leave you some type of heirloom or maybe money or property or home, whatever it may be. Vehicles, that's fantastic. You know, that's what an inheritance is about. I had an Uncle Roy that left me some cufflinks that I'm really excited about. I've never worn them, but you know, if I ever break them out... Uncle Roy, thank you. I'll give a little shout out to that. But you know, whatever it may be that you may give, an inheritance really is something real. It's something that happens, right? Now, an inheritance is not about what you deserve. 
An inheritance is always about the desire of the person that's leaving it. I didn't say, hey, Uncle Roy, can I please have your cufflinks? I promise you, I never said that. But it doesn't mean he didn't want me to have them. So his desire was what won out in the case. So he wanted to leave me some. So this is what we're talking about in inheritance. It's not about me deserving something. I didn't have to ask for it. Usually, you know, they have, in a, in a situation with inheritance, they'll have a last will and testament where they will actually will you this money. They'll say, okay, when I die, all of this goes to so-and-so, and they leave that to you. They've made all the arrangements, all the proper legal documents have been signed so that after they die, as far as they're concerned, it's yours. You know what I'm saying? Like after they die, they've done everything they knew to do that when they leave this world, it belongs to you. That's, that's what they're thinking, that whenever I go out of here, that you get that. You get that house or you get whatever it may be. They've done all their part. So now there doesn't mean that we've signed up for it. It doesn't mean we've went to pick it up. It doesn't mean we've taken possession of it. None of that has happened, but as far as they're concerned, they've given it to you. It's available. It's your inheritance. But how many know just because someone has left you something doesn't mean necessarily you took possession of it? It doesn't mean you showed up and said, you know what, that's mine. I'm going to sign for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take ownership. Maybe you're like, I don't want that. You know, I don't want those cufflinks. I didn't have to take them. I could have said thanks, but no thanks. But as far as they were concerned, they did their part. So we're going to talk about that today, how an inheritance works and how an inheritance is more about the desire of the one leaving it to us than it is about the one receiving it. So in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to bring this out to you. And give you some good news today. Today's the day that many of you have been waiting for. You've been waiting to hear this. A rich relative has passed away. And he has made available to you an incredibly rich inheritance. Are you ready? Your rich relative is Jesus. And when he died, he left an inheritance for you. He did everything that he could do while he was on earth. When he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. Everything was signed. Everything was done. He said, when I'm out of here, as far as I'm concerned, everything that I've left them is theirs for the taking. So now you have an inheritance available to you. Are you excited about that? Your, your brother Jesus passed away and left you a great inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, let's look here in verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you spirit of wisdom and revelation. Remember, we talked about that. Spirit of wisdom is your capacity. It's the know-how. It's, it's the, the, the facts, what to do, what to do, when to do it, how to do it. He gives you the wisdom, capacity. Revelation is the communication. Two things we get out of the knowledge of God. We get capacity and communication. We talked about that already, so I'm not going to rehash it, but that's important. In the knowledge of him. So remember, everything, and this applies for today, in the knowledge of him, everything comes. So what we're going after is the knowledge of him. We get the know-how and we get the communication, we get the revelation, we get the wisdom, we get all of that stuff, but we only get it in the knowledge of him. So we're going after is not the things from him, we're going after him. Knowledge of him, we get all this. So what happens? Also in the knowledge of him, that verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know three things. What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us 
who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, he covered it all. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now take a look there in verse uh, 18. Talks about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The word enlightened just means to literally turn the lights on, to be able to have understanding and to see something. How many's ever used this phrase or heard this phrase when someone says, I'm just kind of in the dark on that? You're like, I'm... You know, they're in the dark on it. It doesn't mean like literally the lights are out. It just means they don't have understanding. They, don't, they haven't figured it out yet. They haven't seen, haven't seen it yet. There's things that my children are seeing now as they get older that they were in the dark on when they were younger. They're like, oh, okay, yeah. There's things in our lives, all of us, that we're in the dark on something. Just because we're in the dark on something doesn't mean it doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean it's not God's will for us. We just may be in the dark on it. Our eyes haven't been enlightened to it yet. You're walking around the house, and all of a sudden you kick something. You didn't see it, but it was still there. Just because you didn't see it mean it wasn't real. It was real, you just didn't have your eyes open. That's what he's talking about. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The, our eyes are not enlightened basically, or not merely by need. The eyes of our understanding are not enlightened by our need. Our eyes of our understanding are enlightened by knowledge of him. Here's what I mean by that. Too many times in our life, we spend all of our time trying to figure out our problem, and we're trying to get more information on our problem. We're researching our problem. We're asking people about our problem. We're trying to think that if we just know more about our need, know more about my problem, then something will happen. But the Bible says the eyes of our understanding are enlightened by the knowledge of Him. So instead of spending all of our time trying to figure out what my problem is, I need to spend all my time concentrating on the solution. I need to increase my knowledge of the solution more than the knowledge of my problem. The knowledge of my need will not open my eyes. It will only make me see my need more. But when I focus on the solution and my eyes are open to him and I know more about God, all of a sudden my eyes can be open to see the solution to my problem instead of just my problem. So now let's go into the next part. The eyes of our, eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know. I said three things last week. We talked about the first one, the hope of his calling. Talked about what that means, the hope of his calling. The calling is an invitation or a summons. Two parts, invitation is just to show up. Sometimes we need to have hope to just keep showing up. Keep showing up. The part about the summons is believing that God will show up, that he's just. When you present your case before the righteous judge, he will show up on your behalf. So two things we got to have hope in. Number one, we got to have a hope in. we got to keep showing up for God. Number two, we got to have hope that God's going to show up for us. Look at your neighbor and tell them, just keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Online, keep showing up. Keep showing up at church. Keep showing up in prayer. Keep showing up reading your Bible. Keep showing up believing God. I know you're not perfect. I know we have ups and downs. But some of the best victory we have in our life is we just keep showing up. Man, you're still here? Yeah, I'm still here. That's what the devil says. Are you serious? They're still in church? Yes. They just keep showing up. It's like that bad penny. They just keep showing up. 
I want to be that bad penny to the devil. Just when he thinks he's pressed me down, just when he thinks he's given me the worst week, the worst day ever, that now there's no way they're going to show up. There's no way he's going to praise me. That's when I want to say, thank you, Jesus, for today. Hallelujah. You know, just sometimes you got to surprise him as you keep showing up. That's the hope of his calling. That's not what we're talking about today, but that was really good last week. Because you got to realize Jesus is a hope dealer, not a dope dealer, a hope dealer. He's a dealer in hope. He gives hope to people. Number two, first thing that our eyes are enlightened so we may know the hope of his calling. Number two, what we're talking about today, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's a mouthful. It's one of those phrases, you know, if you're with me very long, you understand my desire to really explain the Bible because I don't like uh, churchianity or Christianese. It's one of them phrases that somebody could say, hey, aren't we thankful for the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints? There we go. Yes, amen, that's awesome. And nobody know what we're talking about. It's one of those phrases. Hey, how about the riches of the glory? Yes, the glory, riches, praise God. What is that? So I just like to understand a little bit. Again, not because I'm all-knowing or anything. I just try to break down what I know. Just God's opening my eyes a little bit. So I'm just going to give you a smidgen. You could do a whole series on the glory of God. So this is just going to be a Reader's Digest version, a Cliff Notes version of whatever is relevant to your day and age. Riches. The word riches just means an abundance. It's a word that literally means wealth. So if you have a problem with that, take it up with God. But it means to fill fullness capacity. When we think about God, here's what he's telling us. We need to think about fullness, abundance, wealth, no lack. When we think about God, our mind needs to go to abundance and fullness, not scarcity and depravity. I'm not talking about dollar dollar bills. I'm not talking about that. Don't get on materialistic. I'm talking about when we think about God, we need to think about riches, meaning abundance. Abundance of joy, abundance of peace, abundance of love. He is full. When you think of extra, that's the fullness. All right, so the riches of the glory. So what's the glory? A glory is another one of them churchy words. Man, the glory of God's in this place. That's great. What does it mean? The glory of God. The glory is a Greek word, doxa, which means literally the splendor or radiance of God. You could say it this way, the essence of God, who he is. I like to, I like to make it, uh, break it down this way. He says in Exodus 33, Moses asked God, uh, said, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. And here was God answer, God's answer. I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I don't think that was accidental. And again, this is not a complete message on glory, but I just wanted to touch on that. When Moses said, God, show me your glory, God said two things. Number one, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. So the goodness of God is the glory of God. And then number two, he said, I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord before you. The name of the Lord. We got to understand about the Bible that the names are very important, that the names of God represent the essence of God. So when God said, I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord before you, he said, I'm going to proclaim my essence of everything that I am. I'm going to declare who I am. i give you some examples in your notes of the names of God, just a few of them. His glory is who he is. Jehovah Nisi, he's our banner. Ra, he's our shepherd. He's our friend. Rapha, he's the Lord that heals. Shama, he's the one who's present. He's always there, never leaves us nor forsakes us. Sid Kanu, our righteousness. Mekodeshkim. Mekadishkim, that's the one. Lord who sanctifies you, sets you apart, helps you grow in maturity. Jireh, he's the one who provides. Shalom, he's our peace. Saboas, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's army. So the glory of God is the name of God. All of those things, that's who he is. 
who he is. Our inheritance, the riches of the glory of our inheritance is not what God gives us, it's who he is. Too many times we're lowering the bar and we think our inheritance is a new home. Our our inheritance is a new home. Our inheritance is the provider of new homes. We're shooting too low. We're thinking my inheritance is a raise. My inheritance is a raise. My inheritance is the one who provides the raise. It's him. It's who he is, the person of God, the essence of God. That's what our inheritance is. My inheritance is about, man, I sure hope he gives me some money or I hope he leaves me a car. It's not about those things. The inheritance, the greater inheritance, who he is, everything. You get peace from him. You get love from him. You get healing from him. You get provision. Provision of what? Everything. I am that I am. So this is what our inheritance is about. John 1.14 gives us another example of the glory of God. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, what is the riches of the glory? What are we talking about glory? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full, fullness again, riches, full of grace and truth. So notice what happened. Jesus left heaven and became a man, walked on the earth. So now, what is is the glory of God? Your Bible says that he took on flesh and we beheld his glory. How do we behold his glory? We watch Jesus walk around. We've got the New Testament. So what is that saying? Jesus, everything that he did, how he functioned in the earth is our example of the glory of God. How he treated people, how he treated sickness, how he treated judgment, how he treated justice, how he treated righteousness. Jesus, everything he did, he heard from the Father. He saw from the Father. So Jesus' life is an example of the glory of God on the earth. He's our example. You want to walk in the glory of God? Walk like Jesus. Just be like Jesus. You're like, whoa, 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 I understand Jesus. You know, I understand Jesus, but, but I'm just me. I'm just human. I get that. I have the same feeling. But the Bible also tells me this in Colossians chapter 1. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. The riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. Where's the riches of his glory? It is in the saints. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now everything that Christ had in him, available to him from the Father, when we get born again, that same glory is available to us. But most of the time, here's the problem, and I'm the same way as you, same way as you. We assume that we cannot have any of that, so we live below the expectations because we cannot make the connection of me and who I am and Jesus. The gap's too far. The gap's just too big. It's like, so we shut down. We're like, Jesus and me, not going to happen. But here's what's powerful. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we with all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Wait a minute, when you're looking in a mirror, who do you see? You see yourself. So notice the context. You're looking in a mirror, so you're looking at yourself. Maybe you like looking at yourself. Maybe you don't like looking at yourself, but it doesn't matter. We're looking in a mirror. Beholding is in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So wait a minute. You're looking in a mirror, and you see the glory of the Lord? But you're not looking. You're looking in a mirror, and you see the glory of the Lord. Where's the glory of the Lord? 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're like, wait a minute, I just see me. That's a problem. We just see me. I need to see Christ in me. I believe it was John G. Lake that used to get up and look in the mirror every morning and say, good morning, Jesus. See, we can't make that jump, but look at the next, next part of this verse. <laughs> Are being transformed, being transformed into the same image as Jesus from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice from glory to glory. Notice the progression. Now, here's the kicker. Christ in me is not a progression. It's not a progression of his glory in me. It's a progression of my eyes being enlightened to the glory that is in me. It's not that the glory of God gets more and more and more in my life. My eyes get enlightened to more of the glory as I live. That's why I can still see that the glory of God is in my life. Even though it's not operating in its fullness, I need to learn to appreciate the level of glory that my eyes are enlightened to. But we shut down that we don't have any of the glory of God because we don't see it operating like this. But God is going to reveal more in the knowledge of him. Riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So let's talk about inheritance. So we know what the glory is. We know what the riches is. What does inheritance mean? Inheritance, inheritance just means a share, a lot, or a portion, that which is received to an heir on the death of an owner. And inheritance is what someone leaves you. It's not about you. It's not about your desires. When you talk about inheritance, make sure you understand this. It's about their desires. We don't demand an inheritance. We don't tell people what to leave us. We don't go up to grandma and grandpa and say, you will leave me that. At least I hope you don't. Although I have heard some stories. Let me go back. I have heard, yes, 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 I remember that story right there of people demanding certain inheritance. It didn't work out too well for the prodigal son. But see, we've got to understand that inheritance are left to us by other people. We don't demand it. We don't command it. All we're supposed to do is receive it. We don't say, you will leave me that. All we have, our responsibility is just to receive. So I wrote this down. An inheritance is more about the desires of the one leaving the inheritance. Follow with me. This is so important. An inheritance is more about the desires of the one leaving the inheritance than how deserving is the one receiving the inheritance. So I summarized in this phrase, the desire of the leaver trumps the deserving of the receiver. Most of the time I get hooked, I get tripped up trying to receive my inheritance from God is because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I haven't been good enough. I haven't been spiritual enough. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't read enough. I haven't done this. I had those thoughts. And if I'm going to have those thoughts, nobody with that kind of inheritance that should deserve an inheritance of those kind of thoughts. So surely I've disqualified myself. But I'm telling you, the desire of the lever trumps the deserving of the receiver. We understand the natural. How many of you know of someone or heard of someone that wanted to leave all of their wealth or a big portion of their wealth to a certain child and that child didn't deserve it? That they left it to them and you're like, man, they're going to blow through that wad in no time. That, that person, I'm using my words wisely here. They're not in a good place right now. But the desire of the lever, they said, they're my son. They may not deserve it. I know they've been jacked up. I know got this issue and that issue. But I choose what I leave to them. It's not up to what they deserve. We've got to understand that's the same way it is with our father. And stop complaining to him about what we deserve and start just receiving what he desires. Chad, I desire for you to have it, but I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I know. I know, I already knew, 
Thank you for the revelation. <laughs> remember Alpha and Omega, beginning and end? That's me. You can't remember what you ate yesterday. But we're going to, God, I just can't. No, I can't. I can't possibly. I can't receive that. You know, I've been bad. I can't, I can't receive that. I don't deserve it, God. He says, I know, but it's my desire. We can't receive the riches of the glory of his inheritance if we're focused on what we deserve more than what he desires. So now we're born into this as an heir. My kids, I don't know about your kids, but my kids were born just into certain rights of certain things that are available to him. They didn't have to do anything to earn it. They didn't deserve it. But they have the use of our home every day. They have shelter. They have heat. They have electricity for all their devices. They have data plans. They have water for long showers. None of it they deserved, they were born into it. We were joking around one time and I was talking about how much they were costing me to do something. And they said, hey, it was your, desire, your, your choice to have us. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But catch, in the middle of that sarcasm, there's a revelation. They have rights because they were born into it. And just me, it's not about them deserving, it's about my desire as a good parent. As a good parent, I have desires that trump their deserving. And if me being evil know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more my Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to those who ask Him. So this is what we've got to understand. It's not about our deserving. We've got to let that go and move on. My kids were born into this. And just like my kids were born into our, our rights, when we're born again, we are born into rights. John 3, 3 says this way. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the verse 5, it goes on to say, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter. So when we're born again, we're born again, born as a baby, we're born brand new. How many of you know as a baby, as an infant, you know, I was watching, uh, I was with, out in the public in some place just the other day, and they had this brand new baby. And you know, after you've had five, you recognize when they're really little. I'm like, oh man, that one's brand new. How old? And they said three weeks. I'm like, oh, that's, that's fantastic. You know, just looking at their little bitty, bitty things. What that baby's able to do now versus what they're able to do as a toddler, two different worlds. Two different worlds. They're both human beings, but they develop. And they're able to do more as they grow older. What the toddler is able to do and what the teenager is able to do, to totally different things. What the teenager is able to do and what a full-grown adult is able to do. Well, we under, need to understand that spiritually. When we're born again into the kingdom of God, there's things we're able to do as babes in Christ that if we will keep developing and receiving our inheritance as we increase our knowledge of him, we can't stop at baby stage in Christianity. we got to keep growing, keep developing. Because there's two steps to receiving our inheritance. Number one, we got to see it. We got to see it. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, right? So you got to see it first. Then number two, he talks about that unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you can't enter. So there's seeing the kingdom, seeing the promises, and entering. Now let me show you this scripture. I think this brings us out in greater context for us. Deuteronomy chapter one. This is about Moses in the promised land. Verse eight says this. See... There's the first part, step one. See, I have set the land before you. Go in or enter, there's the second one, and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them and their descendants after them. So check it out. God took Moses up on the hill, 
And he's going to show him the promised land. Maybe you know the story. Maybe you don't know that God, you know, Moses struck the rock when he's supposed to speak to the rock. And so then he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. I always thought that was a little bit harsh. But you know, God knows what he's doing. But he takes him up on the, on the mountain where he could see the entire promised land in front of him. Everything's right there. And he says, see, I've given you the promised land. Now go in and possess it. So now seeing it was just the first part. Whenever you're looking, whenever they're up on the, on the mountain looking at the promised land that's already inhabited by other people, remember this. They're up there looking. God says, I've given you the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. I've given you their land. Well, guess what? Who told the Jebusites? <laughs> Nobody told the Hittites that it was happening. God just told them. He said, see all this land? See all those people, all those houses you didn't build, all those vineyards? All that land out there, it's yours. Go get it. Do they know? They don't know. They don't know. They're hoping they don't know. So you can see it. But how many knows when you see it, that doesn't upset any of them at all? I'm up here looking on the mountain going, oh, that's, that's my section over there. I want that. Yeah, oh, I like his house right there. Dude, look at that one there, that, that, that double rise there. I love that right there. I want that one. Okay, that field, that looked great. I like that. How many knows that the Hittites weren't bothered with them seeing it? It didn't affect their world at all while they were seeing it. It didn't upset anybody's apple cart as long as they were looking at it. It didn't bother them at all. They weren't offended. It didn't mess up their world. When did things start to get hairy? When they went down and said, that's my house, move out. Oh, you think this is your house? <laughs> see, the enemy doesn't mind if we see the promises of God. He doesn't mind if you read about them. He doesn't mind if you hear about them in a church service. But make sure you don't try and possess it. That's why there's two steps to getting your inheritance. There's one thing i got to see. If I can't see it, then I don't know what God's given me. But it's one thing to see it. But it's a whole nother level when you go in and you say, you know what, devil? No more. You're out. It's not going to go this way anymore. That's my house. <laughs> you gots to go. I don't know where you're going to go, but that's my house. In that moment, how many has ever tried to change something? You had an idea, oh, I need to live better, I need to live differently, and everything was fine. You're pumping yourself up, that's the right way to go, I need to do that. Okay, and then the day you start, boom, all hell breaks loose. You say, you know what, I think I need to tithe. Yeah, that's right, I'm going to start tithing. I've heard, I see that in the Bible, I need to tithe. That's fine and dandy as long as you just see it. But when you go to possess it, when we go to possess the promises of God, that's when the enemy wants to resist. See, they, they've got this, God has this mapped out. Uh, uh, let me put this to you this way. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, i got to get this in. Now, therefore, he says, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people. How many of these people? All this people. That means the young ones, the old ones, and everybody in between. God wants every single age group to receive their inheritance. Don't think that it's just for the young ones. And we've done this for years. It's been done for decades. And sometimes young ones come up and they, don't, they grab a hold of it. We'll use words like generation. This generation, God's going to use this generation. You know, and when I was young and part of that, I was like, yes, it's us. 
Now as I've gotten older, I understand that generation is not an age group. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. That Joshua and Caleb got in with that generation at 80 plus years old. It wasn't an age thing. It was who's going to see it and possess it. Who's going to go for it? Who's going to say, that's mine? I know I'm 88 years old, but I'm not done. So that's what we're saying as a church. We've got to go in and possess. Everybody gets it. Every age group gets in on it. Notice what it says. All the people to which the land I'm going to give them, children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you, as I said to Moses. Look at this. Verse 4. This is important. From the wilderness, he's mapping out the promised land. So he's up on the mountain, he's telling him, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now bring up the map that I got. So God mapped out the land. He told them, here are the boundaries. Here's what we got to understand. God determines... The boundaries are of our inheritance. We determine our possession. God told them the borders. He says, here's your boundaries. They couldn't say, you know what? God's given us England. No, he hadn't. He didn't give them England. We want Australia in the name of Jesus. No, he didn't give you Australia. Here are the boundaries. He gave them up to the river Euphrates, land of the Hittites, to the west, the going down of the sun, which direction does the sun go down? Goes down the west, will be the great sea. So he gave them their boundaries. If you will look on the modern day map of Israel and read what God told Moses and Joshua, they never possessed the full boundaries. If you'll read in Joshua, they didn't go to the full extent of everywhere that God said. They didn't possess everything that God had for them. They didn't get all of it. You know, it's fine when they come in and they say, we're going to take this land. You know, they go and they march around Jericho and they blow the trumpet. Walls come down. They go in, they possess Jericho. They're like, that's awesome. So God said, go possess the land. They go in, they take Jericho. They could have stopped right there. Notice that some of them lived down here in Simeon and Judah. They lived down in the south. Then you got Dan and Asher up in the north. It's been said that the nation of Israel is the world in one nation. All the different elevations, all the different climates, all the different uh, elements, that they said all of it is found within that one body. And some people wanted to live in some areas, and some people wanted to live in others. You know, as they went in to possess the land, they could have stopped anywhere. Some of them wanted to stop right around Jericho in that area, and they lived there. And God says, that's fine. You can stay there. You can live wherever you want. Just don't say that there's not more for others. Catch what I'm saying about our inheritance. God has all of this for us, and we can stop where we want. He gives us the boundaries, what we determine the possession. Just because someone's settled and living where they are, don't let them convince you that you don't have more you can possess. Just because they said, you know what, I'm fine living right here in my boundaries. This is all I need from God. This is all I want from God. That's great. You can hang on and go to heaven. But if you've got more that you want to pursue, there's more to the kingdom of God. There's more that he has for you. There's a whole nation. He said, spread out. Take it all. This is what God's saying. There's more for us. 
But we can't be limited by where we're comfortable. So this is what he gives us. Look in, in Joshua chapter 18, verse 2. It says this, but there remained among the children of Israel several tribes. I believe this. Someone speak this. I believe this is for the roads. But there remained among the children of the roads seven tribes which had not received their inheritance. Then Joshua said to the children of the roads, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Let me ask this question. Is it possible for God to have an inheritance reserved for us that we still not possess? Joshua said, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? It's already been promised. It's already there. But even we're neglecting. What's the word neglect? The word neglect means to postpone, to hold back, procrastinators anonymous. Here we go. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Postpone to put off. How many of us are postponing and putting off things that God wants us to experience? But here's another powerful part of that word, neglect. When I was younger, I broke my leg, and I, I wasn't able to use my left one for a long time, and I had it cast. And I remember that when I finally got my cast off, that my, my muscle had shrunk up so much to even to this day, my left calf and my left quadricep are not as big as my right. It doesn't matter what I do, I can't build them up to be the same size as my other one because there's so much atrophy. The muscle had shriveled up. And that's the same thing that this word neglect means. To grow limp and weak out of lack of use. That how, how long, was he was saying to them, will you not use what I've given you to go possess what I've promised you? And every time we put it off and we don't use what God gives us, their weakness sets in. But I'm telling you, God is encouraging us to stop neglecting of possessing our inheritance, to possess what God has given you, possess what God has promised. All these promises. He left us a new will and testament. And in this new will and testament, he said, Chad, this is my desire for you. But God, I don't deserve it. I know. But my desire trumps your deserving. Well, I can't possibly get all of that. I mean, I, you know, I don't deserve all of that. I just, I just want a little bit. He said, that's fine. You can possess whatever you want, but I've given you all access to all this land, to the river Euphrates, all the way to the going down by the sea, all of that, the land of the Hittites. I've given it to you. But when we go to possess, here's what we got to be ready for. When we show up at the door and we say to the Hittites, hey, neighbor, <laughs> you got to move. Be ready. Be ready, because when you go to possess the promises of God, when you go to possess a difference in your marriage, and you say, you know what, I'm going after it. I'm going to be a different man. Be ready. Be ready. It's not for the weak. It's easy to say, I'm going to be a new man in church. It's easy to see it in here. It's easy to see, our marriage is going to be different. I see it. I, I see it. Okay, now you got to go possess it. Possessing is the fighting part. That's when you show up with the Hittite. See, when they went into the promised land, they, they took down Jericho, and Jericho was such a success, they said, let's go after Ai, the next town. They go after Ai, and they didn't seek after God the right way, so they tried to do it on their own. And when they didn't need God, and they tried to do it on their own, all of a sudden, Ai said, no. So Ai fought back and ran them out of town. So here they are, 
big, mighty victory in Jericho. Yeah! So they show up at Ai. Israel in the house. Here we are. Here we are. We're Israel. You're going to go? And Ai said, I don't care. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? So Ai comes out and defeats them. And here comes Israel running with their tail tucked between their legs back to camp because they got defeated at Ai. Sometimes when you say yes to the promises of God, be ready that the enemy may say no. But they had to go back and they had to seek God and they said, okay God, where did we miss you? What do we need to do differently? And God gave them a new strategy and went right back to that same camp of Ai and defeated them. I'm telling you, you need to get back on your horse and go back, seek after God and understand that God will give you direction. Just because the enemy said no doesn't mean you don't keep saying yes. The promises of God in him are yes and amen. So when you go after something, you say, I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to be a new woman. Our finances are going to be different. My health is going to be different. My marriage is going to be different. Whatever it's going to be. And here's my promises. So God, it's going to change. Be ready because the enemy is going to say, uh-uh. It's not going to happen. But just because he says no, you keep saying yes. You keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. You keep showing up. You think you're going to get me? <laughs> you're not going to get me. You think you're going to win today? No, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm gonna, Hittites, you are going out of here. Discouragement, you're coming out. Depression, you're coming out. You're coming out of my life. This marriage is going to change. My finance is going to change. My health is going to change. Pain, you got to go. No, I'm staying. See, I'm still here. Uh-uh. I, his promises, you got to go. I'm receiving my inheritance. I receive my inheritance. Whatever I got to do to possess it, I'm driving them out. This is what God has given us. He's given us an inheritance. We're not striving for it. We're just receiving it. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.